Do you know the people who are like uh, really into what's he want? Uh, Olivia Rodriguez is that her name? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't really know either. I think you do. No, I don't. I, do. I don't. You're very up with. Is she a pop star? Uh, I think she is a pop star. Yes. Yeah. What's her target audience, Raj? <laughs> we'll steer away from this. In the world of conspiracies, the supernatural, and the downright spooky, there are only two men who you can trust. Dennis Lynn and Roger O'Sullivan, or as they prefer to be called, the Unexplained Legends. In 1948, the body of a man was found dead on Somerton Beach in southern Australia. Despite a global search, he was never definitively identified. Or was he? This week on Unexplained Legends, the Somerton Man. Dennis, would you, would you like to uh, introduce us there? Yes, we are the Unexplained Legends. I'm Dennis Len, and you are? Roger O'Sullivan. And, and together we are? The Unexplained Legends. Very, very good, like you read my mind there. Yeah. Very nice. So, Dennis, today's episode is going to be, I'm going to say that, it, just to prepare the listener, I'd say it's going to be slightly different. Okay. Slightly different. It's not like a very special episode or anything like that. Could I get what kind of topic? It's like, what, what, you know. So this is a mystery. Oh. Right. Usually we're kind of more, I would say, on the conspiratorial, or so far, conspiratorial UFO aliens or real type thing. Mm-hmm. This one is just an out and out, plain as day, strange, God honest mystery. Strange happenings. Strange happenings. Is it unexplained? Yes. That's important because that's our podcast. It's unexplained, and I would say at this stage it's nearly legendary. Do you think we'd be able to get to the bottom of it in like an hour? Mm, no. Yes. Okay. Good. We'll I- see. You edit in, edit in whichever one of those fits with what we came to. You know what's funny? You told me the title of this last night during the week and this morning. Can't remember it, so I'm actually excited. When you woke up this morning, later than me. Because I, uh, I wake up quite early. You did me in this morning. I did. Right? You did me in. You always do me in. We agreed that we would get up early and record this podcast. Right? Fair mm. enough. Okay? And this man, like getting down first on Christmas morning, I, my alarm goes off. I just fall back to sleep. <sighs> I wake up. It's nine o'clock. I go, oh God, I better get up. I, I might even give Raj a knock on the door. I go in, nine o'clock. There he is, sitting in the classroom, eating his bickies. Oh, hello, miss. <laughs> Oh, surprised to see you up so early. Unbelievable. Have a, a big red apple. You're the Cheshire Cat. Oh, the, you always say that about me. <laughs> you do. Can I just point out I've literally never said that. No, you do. You, when have I called you the Cheshire you've, Cat? You've said to me, you've said to me, look at you there with a big grin like the Cheshire Cat. <laughs> you've said that to me. If we're if oh, we're I'm, doing a gig and I'm, I've done really well or something or something yeah. silly has happened during my set. You're very bad that way. You can't hide your happiness. No, yeah. It's a, it's a real downfall of yours. I'm, I'm an open book in terms of my emotions. Sometimes I question whether or not you're Irish. Okay, Dennis. I asked you this morning when you woke up late if oh. you'd ever heard of a case called the Somerton Man. Error, I haven't. You haven't. Have you ever heard of it by its other name? Tamunshud. No, I haven't. I have not heard about any of this. Right. Well, this one today I think is a bit strange for an unexplained thing. It takes place in Australia. Oh, down under, down under, yeah, home and away, neighborhoods, yeah, the the whole the whole lot, yeah. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, 
Yeah, very good. National animal of Australia. The other Hemsworth. Yeah, the lesser Hemsworth. I think there's two of them. The spare Hemsworth. The two spare Hemsworths. So today's episode, spooky old mystery from the land down under. Will we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. You ready for this? On Somerton Beach, just south of Adelaide, on the 1st of December 1948, a man was found laying in the sand with the back of his head resting against the seawall, with his legs extended and his feet crossed. His pockets contained an unused second-class rail ticket, a bus ticket which may or may not have been used, a comb, a half-empty packet of juicy fruit. <laughs> what? Why is that funny, Dennis? It, all this information better be relevant, Raj. If juicy Ew. fruit doesn't come up later. Sometimes you do the research and you think, I'm, I'm showing my workings. This sounds like a secondary school essay, but keep going. Most crucially of all, however was a small scrap of paper which contained within his fob pocket. That's the, the little pocket in your jeans. You know that one? The condom pocket, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. The old fob pocket. We call it the condom pocket. We do. You keep your fob in there. Because we're big boys. And then, high five. <laughs> oh, don't worry, I'll add the high five. <laughs> a tiny scrap of paper which was contained within his fob pocket which had been torn from a book which simply stated... Tamun should, a Persian phrase which roughly means it's finished or it's over. This was later discovered to be torn from a copy of the final page of a book known as the Rubiat of Omar Khayyam, a book of 12th century poetry. Many now use this enigmatic phrase to refer to the mystery itself. So uh, how are you feeling so far? Okay, I'm feeling good couple of different questions. Right. Maybe not get into them yet because you, yeah, yeah, you, you want to go you're on. You're mulling them over though. One thing I will say though is if you're found with any sort of like poems in your pockets, instant conspiracy theory mystery. You think so, yeah? Yeah. Gets a bit spooky. Well, let, let's follow on. Let's see what the police had to say about it. Those bastards. The police immediately sought any information which the general public could provide. Several eyewitnesses came forward to say that they too had seen the man laying there the evening before but none of them were able to help identify the individual. So there's some like conflicting reports there as well that some people claim that they saw him like raise his hand out and they thought he might have been drunk. One person thought that they s- might have seen him carried there, saw somebody carrying an individual o- over their shoulder, but nobody was able to identify him. And, and you may have said this already, but who found him? Oh. You don't know who found the body. Good question. A person? Ah, uh, Raj, come on, man. That's not really important. It is important. It's not the important. first person who phoned him is very important. Nah, not really important to me. Uh, Do you know when they phoned him? Yeah, I told you that. You see, no, but it's, yeah, like, so you have times and dates and stuff of when yeah. they phoned him. I, t- you just don't I said know that who to you. Fo- you just don't know who phoned I, look, I know, I know, I know what you're doing, right? You're like saying, I did say the time, but that's not what I'm asking you. Okay, okay. I'm asking you who phoned him, you don't know. No, it's not important. It's re- really not important. Uh, well, I, you're saying it's I, not important. Can, can I continue? That doesn't mean it's not important. Can I continue? You can. Okay. He carried no form of identification, and his dental records had no known matches. Especially interesting, as he had particularly unusual, almost fang-like teeth. Oh, here we go. <laughs> what? Go on. His, his autopsy revealed that his last meal was a pasty, eaten three to four hours before his death. 
A pasty of blood. No, no. You're honestly, that is a red herring. Okay. The, Irrelevant. Yeah. He, he, he just had a condition that made his teeth fang like. It's a real condition. Okay. Not, not. That's just to t- tell you. He. Well, I'm glad we juiced that so early. Yeah. Anyway, it's gone. <laughs> no, no. Because honestly, the the way this case goes, if the whole way through you're <laughs> like, is he a vampire? You see, I know what you're doing, right? And you're like, I'm getting rid of that vampire thing because he's going to constantly say no. that to me, and it's this, going to drive me mad. This man, fan of the count over here, he'll be fantastic. Oh. So the pathologist, Doctor Dwyer, concluded on the case. I'm quite convinced the death could not have been natural. The poison I suggested was used was a barbiturate or a soluble hypnotic. Although the pasty was ruled out as a potential source for the poison. I thought that was a nice little touch, wasn't it? Yeah. It's like the press conference, the pathologist there, all the flashing paparazzi lights. <laughs> well, I would just like to confirm we have exonerated the pasty. That's because Big Pasty be after him. Big, they, big they Pasty. Had to, clear, had to clear Pasty's name. Big Pasty had a gun to the back of Dr. Dwyer's head, just going, come on, tell them. Tell them the pasties are safe. We used to be friends with a girl called Big Pasty. Oh, no, we didn't. <laughs> Stop owing me after it. it. Makes it sound so much worse. Big Pasty. It's like, Do you think it's anyone... Like, it's like you're absolving your sins. It, yeah, that is Yeah, but that's, like. that's, that's conniving. It's What's scheming. the... Oh, you, what's the that that song? Do you know why they call me Big Papa? Notorious B I G. Yeah, why they call me Big Pasty? <laughs> Isn't there? Is there? I love it when you call me Big Pasty. That's good. That's what yeah. she. That's what she. That's who she used to sing in college. Love it when you call me Big Pasty. Yeah. I love it when you call me Big Pasty. She's from England. Jay, was she from England? Voice for a reason. What from Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Yeah, that's why we called her Pasty. Her name was Patricia, but we called her Pasty. <laughs> I didn't know that was true. Yeah. I thought you were going... I thought this is classic Dennis... No. Dennis Lynn Riff. No. He's going to go off here and be like, Oh, I knew... We used to know a girl called Big Pasty. And uh, she she was she was made of pastry. That's what I was expecting No, no, you. she wasn't made of pastry. Oh, no. she Lovely was, person. Was she a bit flaky? Well, yeah, a little bit flaky. A little bit druffy. <laughs> druffy? Dan Druffy. Oh well, we've all been there. I, I personally have a have a, have a problem with that. We've all been there. We've all no, been there. No, you're sucking up to the dandruff sufferers. All, all I'm saying is that if any of you would like to use Head and Shoulders, you can use our code Unexplained. Head. Would, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> unexplained Head. There's nothing better than Roger a bit of Unexplained Dennis Head. Sixty nine. Use your code. <laughs> unexplained Head is one of the best birthday gifts. Oh, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Give me the gun. The body was embalmed on the 10th of December after the police failed to identify him. So they embalmed the body to prolong the life of the corpse to help with his identification. This was the first time Australian police would have to employ this tactic. Do you not think that's spooky? It's spooky. It's definitely spooky. Imagine that. They don't know who the guy is. They don't know who found him either. I they- just think if a guy... Imagine, imagine if they found out who the first person was. And that guy was eating juicy fruit. Eating the half of the packet. The, the well, I don't know. Did he put it in his pockets? Did he Did he take it out the, of his pockets? The police have been called and they go, hey, oh, anything anything notable about the guy? Yeah, he, he had a comb. He had a, he had a comb. He had a packet of cigarettes. And uh, and he actually, he had, a, he had half a packet of juicy fruits left. Delicious packet of juicy fruits. Yeah. He, Question for you, since you're firing them all my way. Go on. Can you get juicy fruits anymore? Yeah. 
you can yeah i when was the last time just you know i agree with you right i'm, I'm saying your statement is true but when was the last time you've seen anyone eat juicy fruit and when have you eaten juicy fruit? And if you tell me you ate juicy fruit yesterday, I'm ending the podcast. <laughs> it's over. Not yesterday. Don't be silly. It's the day before. You never. You haven't no, eaten juicy fruit in years. I've had juicy fruits within the last six months. You have not had a packet of I juicy have, fruit. I have. Where did you get it? Where did I get it? Just up the road. Up the road. There, there is juicy fruit around here for miles. No, I got juicy fruits about uh, within the last six months. I got juicy fruits. All you can get now is is airwaves and other mint orientated chewing gums airwaves to me as a kid they felt a bit like taking cocaine or something yeah it, it was it was pretty intense they're extreme as a child they're i think that they're like they're somehow on the opposite end of, of the spectrum to spiciness but or, or not they, it's like horseshoe spicy theory. mint yeah yeah i get what you mean back in school as well did you come across the kind of bubble gum phase like hubba bubba yeah i think tv advertising is excellent uh, for kids because i remember one time we were all eating a chewing gum called all right brace yourself bubblicious oh with the juice inside <laughs> with the juice well did it have juice inside i'm pretty sure bubble was it was bubblicious one of those things where it was like a jazzy cat it was like the it, it could have been i don't know if it was a jazzy cat but this stuff was you could blow like the biggest bubbles in the world you know you could you could go like cartoon disney american movie like kids sitting at a baseball game and he goes wow and it pops over his face breaking news i'm just doing on the spot research i think it's fair to say that's a jazzy cat it is a jazzy cat oh so that so that's bubblicious splash i'm sure there was classic bubblicious i'm gonna go bubblicious 90s now. that i'm telling you now right that cat is a jazzy cat He's the jazzy cat. A lot of jazzy cats back in the 90s. Do you know what I really associate? Hubba Bubba's another one. Can you show me Hubba Bubba? Hubba Bubba was a bit more standard, I think, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. There you go. Bubblicious. That was Hubba Bubba. A couple of pop rocks. I was a sucker. And that's not a pun, listener. <laughs> I was a sucker for any sweet that came with some kind of wasteful, hard plastic with it as well. Like, you know, when the mini polo mints were in that plastic polo mint. Oh, yes, yes. And you open it up. Wow, yeah. that's a blast from the past. Or um, bi- Big Baby Pops. Big Baby Pops. What's a Big Baby Pop? I don't know what You've that is. You've never had a Big Baby Pop? No, I don't know what it is. Are you pl- are you having me on? My God, tell me what a Big Baby okay, Pop big is. Okay, Big Baby Pop is, imagine this, right? A small plastic receptacle. Imagine, kind of, we're talking about the size of like a, a Vix, Vix tub. Okay, okay, Vix tub. Clear, see-through. See-through. Brittle plastic, filled with sherbet. The lid of that... <gasps> I know what this is. lid of that, shaped like a pacifier. Hard, hard, tasty candy. You would lick the big baby pop. You'd actually, I believe that the song was something like, Lick it, stick it, something like that. So you put it in the thing... You lick, you lick the baby pop, and then you turn it around. And you place it within its own. Uh, <laughs> can you can you just explain the um, the visual you're giving? The me visual the I'm doing is I've created a hollow in my left hand, and I'm placing the thumb of my right hand into that hollow. Yeah. Don't understand. Don't understand what's so funny about that. And then I'm removing my thumb and I'm licking it. Did you ever have pop pop or the pop rocks? Are they the things that like make kind of 
I think they're a waste of time. How do you describe that? What happened? Exploding candy. Exploding candy. That's exactly what it is. My poor sister. Listen. No, I want to tell you this story. We just listened to your sucking off baby pops. My. You can't say that. My sister uh, was eating a Terry's chocolate orange. And she was eating it and she started feeling extremely unwell. And she started getting very freaked out and she started having kind of a, a reaction in her brain to the Terry's chocolate orange. And she went to her husband and said, look, we have to get an ambulance because like I'm, I'm not well, like, like I, I'm, I'm having a very bad time. There's something wrong with my brain. I, I think something serious might be happening. And then she realized that she was eating Terry's chocolate orange, like the exploding version. Still, good news about the chocolate oranges. <laughs> okay, back on the case now. You, so you, far, you don't seem too impressed by the fact that they can't find who the guy is. They don't know who he is. No, I think that's kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool. And you say that no dental records and no ID. Couldn't be matched to anything. Okay. Can I just ask you a question? Yeah, Do you yeah. know how they match dental records? Is it like a uni- is it is it just in that area? Is it in like the country? Well, this is 1948. Okay. Right. So it'd be pretty localized, I'd imagine, is it? No. No. I think pretty far pretty yeah. far reaching. What yeah. kind of miles like are we talking? We're probably talking I'd say, honestly, hand on heart, probably global search. And where do you where do you create dental records then? What do you mean? Where do you create? Like, how are they created? How do you? What do you go on? Like, like, do they take the dentist? The dentist. Yeah. Nineteen forty eight. A yeah. war just on. Do you yeah. think he? There's a good chance back then he might have never gone to the dentist. Are you joking me? No, no, I'm not joking. Back you. then, right? Back then, yeah. You had so little on. Keeping looking after your teeth is going to be like a hobby. Yeah, but you, like whatever. Imagine the fear you have of the dentist now, right? Yeah. Imagine back then they'd just be pulling out teeth for a laugh. Back then they would have loved it. They didn't even have roller coasters. That what does that mean? <laughs> they wouldn't. They, they were like that. That was like Are a thrill ride. Going to the dentist and being in severe pain with no anesthetic was like going on a roller coaster. That was a thrill ride for them. Do you like roller coasters? No, no. I like the dentist though. I'm just saying. I think that's a good point. I don't think he. I, I think he might not have even had dental records. Oh, I guess that's why. That's why they used to use them to identify people. Then was it? Yeah, I'm just saying then, that there's, yeah? there's an explanation that as what, to why they, they used having. to go. Uh, the police probably went. The police probably went. Yeah, we know this has never worked. Uh, but have, let's. So back in 1948, like, did they say how many people had dental records at that time? Almost everyone. Almost everyone. God, Almost yeah. everyone. That is great. I'm Universal. glad you had that information. In Universal. It says here. Sorry, I'm just looking at a footnote here. It says 90 percent of the population had. Uh, 99 actually. 99 percent of the population had dental records. Really? What's yeah. the source on that? Uh, I, I'm not going... It will take too long to go into that now. Yeah, that would almost be a, a click of a link. Like that would... Can't go into it. But, okay, but So 90% of people you, had dental listen, records. You'll concede this to me. There is a reason why they used to use dental records to identify people. It must have worked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll concede that it works. Yeah. That's it. That's all I'm conceding. I'm validating that it's a way to identify someone. Are, okay. we, are we clear on that? Yeah. Okay, good. So the listeners now can see the difference between the two things we're talking about. No, and you're and you're saying you. So you're kind of saying, well, oh well, that doesn't mean anything. Okay, first of all, right? I'm don't sound like that. I'm not saying, oh well, <laughs> that God, wouldn't work. Not more infuriating when someone does your voice like that. That that that's what you. That's not what you sound like, but that's what you feel like. Okay, so we'll disagree on this, but I think I've made a good point. Here's one for you though. Then why why did they have to embalm the body? You know, they embalmed the body because it was taking so long to identify him. 
because nobody could identify him. What's the story with that? What does that have to do with dental records? Like then that I would say that most of the time the dental records probably work. There is a breakthrough in the case though. On January the fourteenth, which is a month and a half after they found the body, the case was given new hope when a brown suitcase was found abandoned in Adelaide Railway Station, and it was theorised to belong to what the locals were now referring to as the Somerton Man, the man who was found on Somerton Beach. Notable among the items was the lack of name tags on any of the items. So tagging your clothes back then was a much more common process because uh, due to like rationing of materials during the war and stuff, that you would tag your clothes because that, that way you just know, you know. This, this sounds like a man who doesn't want to be identified. Well, it's hard, well, and if I was a man who didn't want to be identified, I'd never go to the dentist. Okay, well, you know, you that, know? that all adds to the, to yeah, the, yeah. To I, the mystery just, of it. I'm just saying. Like, Why didn't he want to be known? However, there were three items which still retained their tags, listing T, Keen, Keen, and Keen. The three different spellings of the word Keen, the last name Keen. On, on, can you, can you explain items. that fully for me? So what does that mean? So three items remained, remained with the tag. Okay. One of them had the initials T, Keen. Keen. Like Roy okay. Keen. Second one was just Keen, just the last name with no T before it. Same spelling. Yeah, same spelling. And then the last one was Keen, like K-E-A-N. With the E gone. Yeah. And, and these were in the suitcase. Yeah. So how can you make a statement that none of the clothes? Ex- excuse me. Excuse me. I'm about I've to get got to that. The, the fingers after coming up, lads. I'm about to get to that. The police theorized that either the person who removed all the tags missed these particular tags in the clothing, or they knew that they weren't the person's name, and thus they would help confound the case. Because what would happen sometimes is people would buy second-hand clothing, and it would still contain the tag. From the previous Okay, order. all right, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting, this is getting confusing. Okay, go on. So can you just split those in? So right. the police are saying that they the, might have taken all the tags off? The police, no, the, the tags have been removed. So the police are saying either what happened is the person who removed the tags. Killed the guy. No, no. no. Robbed the guy. No. Was the guy. No. Yes, yes, maybe. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. So they're saying so the two the two branches of this you brought up one of them is either the person doesn't want to be found mm-hmm. the guy doesn't want to be found so he's removed all the tags himself and he's left these three tags because they're not useful they're it, not useful yeah they're not his name they're just from clothing he oh, bought okay. second hand oh, okay all right so you're waking up now I can see the well I'm just trying to understand the police and I say police because I don't know. Who that is really? You just say, I, you, no, the Australian police. That's on record. Yeah, and they said that that's one of their theories. One of their theories was either either a third party removed these items so the man couldn't be identified, and they just missed these three tags, mm-hmm. or alternatively, it was that the person who was removing these, whether it be the third party or the actual Somerton man. When they were removing them, they left these tags intentionally because they knew that's not the guy's name and it would confound the case. And what's their reason for believing this? What do you mean? Like, what's their, what's their reason? Why did they think that he might have left these on to confound the case? Because of the fact that everything else has, had its, has meticulously had the tags removed. 
any way of identifying and do they know if those tags have been like removed recently or anything i think it's it's more possible that someone just robbed the clothes and just took the tags off and missed the three which is one of their theories wait well why are they robbing the clothes well, maybe they found the clothes and now they're taking them. No, no, no. Are you listening, Dennis? I am listening. It's his, his suitcase. But can it, well, I'm saying maybe someone else came along, like the guy who found him that we don't know about, took the suitcase, ripped off the tags and was going to rob his clothes and then backed out and just left it there. That's ludicrous as far as That's I'm just as possible as all as yours. No, stuff. it's not, Dennis. It's just that the police, supposedly, said these other two things. I think this is a, a funny element that's going on in this one, is you're so used to me talking about, let's say, slightly more unusual things like ufos and stuff right this is straight from police reports this is we're not we don't in, have to okay but this is the thing uh, okay you don't ha, have, have to, the police ever fumble the case right it to my knowledge they've messed up a few they messed up a few in their times so i can question it this, this is very interesting go on how come you believe the police reports in these and you don't believe any police reports and other things when it suits you when people say, no, actually, it was aliens. So if you believe official reports in this, shouldn't you believe official reports in the other cases? No, I wouldn't say so. Why not? Because for me, uh, there's an invested interest in keeping the disclosure of UFOs secret. Why can't there be a vested interest in keeping this case uh, unsolved? I just think this is a, a good old-fashioned mystery. <laughs> okay. Very hard, nice. Hard so so your that. argument is this is a good old-fashioned mystery. It's a good old-fashioned mystery. I can't argue with that. That's solid. What do you think, Chief? Who done it? Well, Bukowski, you want my honest opinion? I think we got ourselves a good old-fashioned mystery. There were some items in the suitcase that didn't come from Australia. <laughs> is there a packet of juicy fruit? No, there was the other half of the packet of juicy fruits. He's like, I'll just save those for later. There were other items in there that suggested he might have had a merchant navy background because there were stuff like they were thread cards from different countries and stuff or items that didn't uh, originate from Australia. After this, this will knock you down. This will blow you over, right? Mm-hmm. Despite a search across all English-speaking nations at the time, and that, that's not me hyperbolizing. That is, that is true. Okay. There was not a single case of an individual who was missing who was listed under the name Keen or T. Keen. So they could not find any individual to match the... That's pretty interesting. Pretty, pretty, pretty spooky. That is pretty spooky. And so are you saying then, since they couldn't find that, that that probably was just tags left? To either confound the case or someone who wasn't involved. I think both of them are... are spo- well, what do you mean somebody who wasn't involved? The- like, basically, they were just on the on the clothes. Oh, they, for me, I think it's spooky that it's just like, how has nobody come forward to say, across the, across the world, how has nobody come forward to say, yeah, we're missing this guy? You know what's interesting, though, is if this guy wasn't the T Keen on the jumpers or whatever the clothes mm. then surely there's T Keens out there who would be like oh you know it's not me so I better come forward and say well it's not me and and these are these are my clothes and then they could identify the clothes wouldn't it be pretty easy to just find T Keens in the area did they do a search for T Keens in the area they did and did they find any no no. They, I don't think you understand, but a search across all no, English-speaking nations... I understand. 
that, I, that I, under, I understand your big statements. I definitely understand them. Just trying to dig into them. Did they, did they do a nationwide search for T. Keens and get all the T. Keens that they have registered and ask them? Yeah, they had a few Teddy Keens, I'd say. Yeah, but did, did, they, did they get them all in a room and ask them? They said, are you the dead man? And they all went, no. Just say, is this your jumper? Is this your pants? Put this on. Let's see. No, I don't. That doesn't make any sense. Why not? Because why would they do that? They have the clothes. It's, you would think the guy's stolen them. I'm saying you could identify this T. Keen guy and then you could see whether or not that T. Keen guy is the body or is just a fellow who left his tags on the clothes. Mm. Hard to say, really. No, it's not hard to say. Why didn't they do that? They, I think they didn't have the resources. <laughs> but they did it nationwide. They a global all search. English-speaking. Yes, global. All English-speaking countries. For a missing T. Keen. Why not a, why not a phone T. Keen, at least in like, you know around that area in the state my guess right my guess is that they're so focused on the dead people and missing people that they probably just didn't think too much about the alive people that's a that's a this is a shocker of one but this is i'm meant to be blown over i think you've been blown wide open i don't i don't think so i don't see what's wrong with that i do in a final attempt to drum up leads a picture of the tamon should scrap if you remember that scrap of paper with Tam and Shud written on it, was released to the press. A nationwide search was carried out in the hopes of finding the exact copy that it was torn from. Remarkably, a man came forward with a copy of the book which he believed to be the source of the scrap. When they examined it, the book was indeed the correct book. That's very cool. And where was that guy from? That guy was from, he was from Australia. Where in Australia, Raj? You don't know. I, d- I don't. I, ah, come on. I didn't think that was. You have to keep in mind. I'm trying to edit this down at the time. But it's important to know where he's from. So it's like, well, was he from the other side of Australia? Wow, that's really spooky. This would just help you. Will I see if I have it in my notes? D- well, you can see. <laughs> have a look. Yeah. <laughs> I might have it listed here somewhere. You know, it'd be really cool if we did merch, but we put T Keen in the tag. That would be cool. That would be kind of cool. I'd like that. Honestly, like this isn't even me trying to poke holes in a story. If this guy's from the, a different side of Australia, that's really cool. Okay, will I, will I, will I look that up then? Yeah, look, look that up and I, I think that'd be interesting. Oh, I just got a little wiggle. I got a, I got a wiggle of disdain from Raj. <laughs> wow. The number you dialed is not in service. So where is he from? He's from Australia. He's from after Australia. After deep diving, after deep diving, I found that the man... Didn't want to be named. Is that true? Uh, it seems to be true based on the fact I can't find his name. Okay, yeah, so he's hidden it. He's hidden it. Very suspect. Very, very... A lot of people hiding identities. Here's something for you, though. Here is something for you that I think you might find interesting. That, that I just found. So thank you for pushing me on that, because I just found this during my research. Okay. Uh, that, that copy of the book was published in New Zealand. Okay. Did they stock stores in Australia? Oh, hadn't thought of that. They probably might have, I guess. Maybe. Might have. Are they close? So, but that copy now is a very interesting translation. It's actually, it's actually very um, highly priced. That particular copy related to this mystery? No. That one's probably very expensive as well. Just that general that print. Edition. That, that printing. Edition. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's pretty, pretty... Uh, was- All right. So a guy comes forward... And he's got the other part of the puzzle of this book that fits the little scrap of paper that was ripped out of this book. Yeah, that that's amazing found, to me. That was found in the guy's body. 
Yeah. Or on his body. Yeah, I know. I think that's really cool. So I can tell you this, though, that that man found that book. It wasn't his copy. And where did he find it? I don't know that detail, but I do know that there's a dispute as to when he found it. Okay. When did he find it, supposedly? Some people think he found it two weeks prior to the man being found. And some people think that he found it a few days after he was found. After the Somerton Man was discovered. And the reason why that dispute is interesting is that we have no timeline for the Summerton Man as to when he arrived in Australia. Some, There's no record of him coming in? No. So some people say if it was there a few weeks prior, then we know he was in Australia pottering around. But some people say if it was found a few days after, we don't know. We don't know when he came to Australia. There's no record of him entering either. Okay, so he, he just arrived in Australia. Like There was no reason for him to be there. There was no like... We don't know. We're, we'll get to it. We'll get to that. Okay. So... The man who came forward, the book itself contained handwriting in the back, which was initially believed to be written in a different language, but in fact was a code. However, cryptology experts who were called in to decipher it, they said that it was too small a sample to decrypt. That happens a lot. That happens with uh, what's the Zodiac case. Can I opt the spookiness on go this? On, go on. You said he might have had some involvement with the name. <laughs> Merchant Navy, yeah. Merchant Navy. Is this a guy a spy? Mm. Is that his cover, you know, in the Merchant Navy? Now he's got a code in the back of the book? Could be. After finishing his mission, there's no record of him being in there. There's no dental records. Could Obviously, be. Obviously, they want to keep them away. Very interesting. He eats juicy fruit. That's very spyish. Do you think so? Roger, without you even doing it, this is building credibility. N- nice. Yeah. The, the, this often happens that I don't go hard on the credibility of these. I just see them as real cases. Okay. But they are just... This is just a real case. The, in well, the this, this is heating up. Have you ever heard the thing about um, Soviet... Uh, the Soviet phrase about um, when people squat? And the there was a Soviet phrase which means heels on the ground, comrade found. Heels to the sky, western spy. Oh, that's pretty interesting. For whether you can squat down fully with your with your feet on the... Like keeping them on the ground. Do you think that if that's such a common phrase, I wonder did the US try and like do more squats? I've been squatting a lot recently. Have you? Yeah. Why do you want to just just Why did you say that with a smile? I just don't understand what any of that means. Just it's just good squat. Okay. Anyway, in the book were the details for a woman named Jessica Thompson, who's a nurse who get this, lived a mere four hundred meters from where the Somerton Man was found. Very interesting. Mulled this over for a little bit, okay? Man found on a beach. Only chance they have identifying him is a tiny scrap of paper from a book. A rare book, right? You're thinking there's no way they're going to find that. A man comes forward having found the book in a different part of Australia, probably. We don't know that. Probably, though. Comes forward. It fits. There's a code in the back. Can't decipher the code. Then they go, okay, there's a name written in front of this book. Who's this belong to? Lo and behold, it's a woman who lives only 400 metres from where the body was found. It's interesting though, isn't it? That you want the book to be found further away, but you also find that the woman close is also spooky. Yeah, because it's her book, like. It's her book. 
So it had yeah. de- it had details in it. But that's why the name's written in the front. All right. So when you say details, it's just like my name is James. This is my book. It's like the you know, like you used to do in a copy book. Okay, so it's just her name and address and stuff, is it? Yeah. Wait, it it genuinely is right. I'm not pressing you on this. It is actually kind of crucial that we find out where the book was found, and we don't we can't find it out. Okay, uh, that's a missing, a real missing. No, you don't have to do it. No, maybe we can clear it up after the podcast. Okay. or something. I'll I'll put I'll put it to you this way. If I'd found that during my research, it would be in my notes. Yeah, it just we just want to find out how the book got to. You know, maybe that guy is he's suspect number one for me to be honest. The guy who found the book. Yeah, he just found it though. Now. Where did he book. find it? We don't know. Found did he it find it while he was murdering your man? No, he found it in Australia somewhere. That's true. Smelt suspiciously of juicy fruits, he said. When the police tracked down Jessica Thompson, she said that she had no idea who the person was or why her details would be in the copy of the book or why he had decided to visit her suburb on the day that he died. Was it her handwriting in the book? No, I don't think so. Don't think so. So it's just her details and she's no idea why. Yeah. She didn't write it. No. Wow. But I guess, like, the way you used to write in those books, you'd do it in print. This isn't me just being a right old bastard. You would you would print your name. Mm-hmm. So I guess it would be easy to deny it was your writing. Okay. Even if it was, you know. <laughs> nice. What? Right, go on. Jessica's next door neighbor reported an unidentified individual attempted to get in touch with Jessica at some time in late 1948, some believing this to be linked to the whole case. Jessica was brought in by the police to view a plaster cast which had been made of the man. So at this point, they'd embalmed him. This had gone on so long, they've just had to bury him. But before burying him, they made a plaster cast of his face. Do you know the timeline of when the guy died for when the book was found? Oh, uh, I actually do know that. The, I know you said it's kind of disputed of when he was found. But yeah. When did he come forward even? It's several months after. Oh, several months. So the guy is like dead and buried at this yeah. stage. Oh, yeah. He's already... Oh, so then we couldn't connect the Jessica thing or she wouldn't have even seen the body at this stage. Because well, here's the thing. When they bring her in to view a plaster cast, they made... It, I've seen a picture of it. It's quite spooky. They made a plaster cast of his bust. like from, So from okay. his head like down to his like chest area. When she was brought in to view uh, the man, she turned away immediately and apparently nearly fainted. Some witnesses claimed that she started crying, but she claimed that she didn't know the man or didn't recognize him. Okay. All right. So she said, I don't recognize the man. But you're saying a couple of people saw her react kind of strangely. Well, she definitely nearly fainted, but but it's disputed as to whether she cried. Okay, was it hot that day? Had she eaten that morning? She'd had a full breakfast, it said here. When was the last time, unless it's a terrible thing, when was the last time you fainted? Have you ever fainted? Yeah, I've fainted. Do you know, for a while I had a condition. I knew it. I was like, mm, this could be dodgy territory. But go on. Anyway. The, no, it's not. It, actually, calling it a condition is the wrong thing. But there's a term, which is that when you piss, <laughs> it, it lowers your blood pressure. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's risky business. Yeah. And I had that when I was younger and I pissed, probably let's say I'm 16 or something, piss, I faint, wake up in a clothes horse in the bathroom, piss everywhere. Covered in piss. Covered in piss. And was, were, were all the clothes that your mother washed Listen, covered in piss as well? don't even, we're not going there. That would drive me up the walls if I was your mother. 
fucking piss wall. My dad got an operation and he woke up from oh, the yeah. operation and then he was sharing a room with another guy um, up in the hospital and he went into the room and they kept asking him, look, you know, we're going to monitor, you know, if anything happens, just tell us, you know, because this is a serious operation, right? He's fine, by the way. Go, this is a long time ago. He goes in to the bathroom and he says, all right, Grant, I'll take a piss. And then the next thing he remembers is, whoa, the bathroom's like just in the wrong place. Like this is the wrong way around. And he realizes that he has fallen onto the ground, passed out, and he's looking at like the toilet bowl. So he's just collapsed onto the ground. So he gets up, he goes out, and he tells the guy he's staying in the room with what just happened to him. And the guy in the room goes, don't you tell anyone that or you'll never get out here. And my dad just never told anyone. Doctors came in and they said, uh, nothing unusual happened. And my dad was like, no, nothing unusual happened. He could have gone home and just died. Like. Just for the listener at home, he's totally fine now. And, well, he, I, and he has nothing to do with the he's damage. He's totally fine as of last weekend, but I haven't talked to him all week, so... I don't know. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Do, do you want? We'll we'll put in a thing here if he's still alive. At the <laughs> yeah, could be one of those things though. <laughs> so, Jessica claimed not to know the man, even though she reacted. If you don't mind me saying, she reacted an awful lot like she knew him. Yeah. Why would you think she? What was her explanation for her reaction? Well, actually, this is an interesting thing that. So I said her name there, Jessica Thompson, but this is. Obviously, you're talking about 1940s Australia. You're thinking probably a little backwards, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Go on. Yeah, like probably a little sexist or whatever. Yeah, definitely sexist. Yeah. They, keep in mind, she's probably the best link to this case they have. She just asked the police, is it okay if you just don't use my name and don't, in, don't involve me in the case further? And they did? Yeah. Well, that's unbelievable. You know, I I have a theory. Don't know. If, maybe like this might sound like a joke, but it's not a joke because you kind of brought up the point there. Like nineteen forties, different time. Do you think that the bust was just like a little bit too too sexy? Do you think if she came in, got a little hot under the collar, goes, "Oh, who's that?" You think that's it? That she was like swooning? Yeah, because that like that could have that could have gone all the way down to his nipples, like, and they wouldn't have put a t shirt on it. It says here that. Oh, sorry, I'm just getting new information in, and it says that previous to fainting she was heard saying hubba hubba well do you think that you should have included that at the start that's you see that's good for your credibility that that's there <laughs> i didn't want to involve it because i didn't want to uh, i didn't want to you know muddy the waters if anyone says hubba bubba like you know you're in you think so yeah yeah the, if you're <laughs> or, so, or the correct version of it hubba 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 yeah yeah if you're so you're saying that if you're out in the club and you hear somebody go hubba hubba i met it. my wife out in the club by going hello nurse <laughs> well jessica was a nurse see there you go it's all coming together but sure she was probably like well no actually she probably got her fill during the war what do you mean saucy times yes yeah, so the war was the sauciest times of the century well it's it's funny you bring that up because she claimed that she'd once given a copy of the book not this particular book, but a copy of of Ah, uh, here no. Was it the same edition and everything? So you're saying that this super rare book? Yeah. She also had a copy of it. She but had. She said that that it wasn't her copy of it, even though it had her name in it. Well, ah, come on. No, no. He, no, no. This. Come is, on, Raj. That's what I was thinking. Listen to this. Listen to this. <laughs> right. She claimed to have once had a copy of the book, but she gave it to a man she met during the war called Alf Boxall. 
immediately first of all Alf Boxhall sounds like is, that, is his sex name Boxhall Boxhall Doesn't that, that sounds like a name you'd make up if you saw out of the window a Boxhall my name is Dennis Giotta so Alf Boxhall immediately the police jump on this they go fuck we have to track this guy down supposedly they'd had a fling during the war and that's when she gave him the book so they're thinking well we're you know there's so much speculation going on now the summer's a man it might be Alf Boxhall Guess what, though? Dead. No. Tracked down Boxhall. Alive. Well, none of his clothes have T-Keen on them. And guess what? He still has his copy of the Rubaiyat that was given to him by Jessica. Wow. That's crazy. So... How does that... Oh, I have it. I know know what it is. What is it? He He was in the war... Yeah. This is it. I, I'm telling you, this is it. I'm going to crack this case wide open. Well, well if, if I solve it from not knowing like anything else, well, no, that no. won't ruin the rest of the podcast. No, no, I'd, I'd love if you solved it because the last line of my notes here is just, and the case is still unsolved. To I have it. I've solved go it. On, this go is on. what happened. This is like a movie. Go on. That guy was in the, was in the war mm-hmm. with the, the Somerton man. Okay. And he told him about this girl that he had this affair with, Jessica, whatever. Yeah. And had the had the book. And then the guy got the book, but wrote down the address of this person and went to go find her. That's why he was in Australia. So but, maybe he did get into some trouble or whatever. But this guy who was found on the beach went to go find this other guy's sweetheart because he heard so much about her during the war. And that's why he had her name and address written down in the book. John, I never told anyone this, but... I actually have a sweetheart in Australia. Really, Clarence? Yes. Her name's Jessica Thompson. And... Why are you writing her name down? Oh, uh, no reason. No reason at all, Clarence. And where did you say she lived? Why is he dead, though? I don't know. So now now we're, we're at the end of the... I think that's the longest we've ever been explaining a mystery on this. Yeah. The end of the mystery. Still unidentified. Do you, do you want to hear a few of the old theories about it? Yeah. All right. One of the theories. See, Wait, yeah. have we not heard the theories already? Crazy. No. no. We're, we're a good old chunk of time in. And we're just at the theories now. So theories. He was a spy. Fair enough. Watch out to say that one. The spy is probably the most convincing one. And we touched on it already, you know. There were spy alarm bells going off. You think so, yeah? I think with having no dental records, which might be deliberately scrubbed. And... Yeah, I, I, and also having, you know, the little scrap of paper, very spyish, just saying, you know, it's finished or whatever it means. Mm. Maybe his mission is over. They have no idea how he got into Australia either. No. They don't know when he landed there. But his book's from New Zealand. His book is from New Zealand. We don't know where That's the other guy found it. That's spooky itself. So, yeah. That may- gives me the willies. <laughs> that gives me the willies. All right, okay. Yeah, so I, I think Spy is probably the most convincing. Well, I give, I'll give it a rating, actually, will cool. I? Uh, yeah, yeah, might as well. I think... Honestly, Spy, uh, you're not going to believe this. Eight out of ten. For a Spy? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think that's a, I think it's the strongest one you probably have. Well, get, that, get the nine ready. All right, so the second one then is that he was a former flame of Jessica Thompson. Which she denied. Yeah. Okay. So I have another theory that's, that's not unlike your one. I have a theory that this one during the war was... A right old like, you know, she was having a go at it. What do you mean? She was she was up up for it. 
She was up for it. Yeah. What does that mean? Like she was just uh, she had a healthy sexual appetite. And the boys were the burgers. Order up. Yeah. And that the thing like the game or whatever, like you know, people have their tactics. Oh, okay, you mean like um, negging and all that stuff? Yeah, that yeah. book you have in your room, yeah. No, no, the uh, you're negging me now. And to be fair, do you fancy a bit it's more? It's working, effort? isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, hubba hubba. Her like tactic is she gives lads copies of the the Rubiat by Omar Khayyam. That's oh, her thing. Oh, I like that. So that's her that's her way of like making this connection with the guys. Yeah, and she just has a load of copies of this book. She, oh, she's a, like a, a wardrobe full of them. What's that? What's that book about? It's uh, just a book of twelfth-century poetry. So just poetry and stuff. Obviously, a bit of love poetry in there, no doubt. Say probably, probably so. Yeah. And she just gives it to everyone. I like that. I'd say and, so. And and here we go. Here we go. Right, yeah. nineteen forty-eight. Right. She can't. You can't admit that you're you're really horny in nineteen forty-eight. Yeah. It's impossible. But you'd be you'd be clubbed to death. That was it was punishment. At that time, if you admit you're horny. Or That's enjoy, a great song, by the way, Club to Death. Or enjoy having sex, you're Club to Death. Club to Death is going to be but playing maybe, maybe she was, maybe she was, you know, like enjoying herself, right? Going port to port. And... In more ways than one. Yeah. And and she couldn't admit to this because she'd have to admit to like maybe having multiple partners. And okay. so she, because of the time, she's just like, well, I can't admit this. Off the back of that, I'm going to blow your ass wide open. Right. <laughs> Okay. Please do. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Get that nine polished. Maybe mm. even get that ten polished. Okay. Because there, the speculation was that there was a romantic relationship between these two. In 2009, a University of Adelaide team led by a professor named Derek Abbott attempted to solve the case by re-examining the autopsy and he revealed two key elements. The man's ears had a kimba or Simba, that was larger than the cavum. Don't know what that means, but it's two parts of the ears. When you said Simba, were you being serious? Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a bit in your ear called Simba. It's either called Simba or Simba. It's like C-Y-M-B-A. Okay, <laughs> all right. So not spelled like Kimba. the lion. No. Okay. I don't know who what, what that is. What? Simba? Yeah, what's, what's that? In the Lion King. Is that the guy from the Lion King? Yeah. Okay. I've never seen the Lion King you Why haven't you watched The Lion King? Watch it, it's so good. I don't like all that made-up nonsense. You you have a girlfriend, as you say sometimes. I do. She'd love it. Why don't you watch it with her? She loves The Lion King. Uh, well, why why don't you sit down and watch it? It'd be such a great experience. I, I just give her copies of The Rubiette by Omar <laughs> Khayyam. Uh, so they re-examine the autopsy, and the two key elements is the, 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 the Simba of the ears and the cavum. They, anyway, the, the, the thing with the ears, that is in less than 2% of the Caucasian population. Which right. I've never mentioned up until now because it didn't seem important, but the Somerton man's white. And his dental records, you know, I mentioned the fang thing. Mm-hmm. That's a condition called hypodontia, okay. which is a rare genetic disorder, which is only present in less than 2% of the general population. And does that Again, mean that all of his teeth kind of look like canine teeth? No. Or just a few of them? It's like a few of them, yeah. It's okay. it's kind of that the canines are forward. Oh, bit, yeah. okay. I can right. show you a picture of it. It's very in, vampirish. In a little bit. Well, let's, you know, that's not it. Okay, there's a third theory at the end. You know, I was reading about vampires, and the fang thing just came in actually quite in, like, modern times. Really? Yeah, and... You know the thing of um, like biting a person and giving them eternal life and stuff. Yeah, extremely modern. Really? Yeah. 
Did, and what about the thing of them tax evading? Did that just come in with, with blade? Really? Yeah. And traditionally, vampires were uh, depicted as being bloated, which I think is hilarious considering all the sexy vampires we got in the last couple of decades. Are you honestly telling me that somebody who's bloated can't be sexy? Yeah, it's like bloated the vampire slayer. Remember that program? Oh, I used to watch that every every week when 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 bloated would be she'd be taking some duskapan. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Some woman though, some woman. I I love and Spark. Remember him, the evil villain, <laughs> with the with the uh, English accent. Yeah, and the cornrows. I've mentioned to you he had two elements of his physiology that were only present in two percent of the general population. Yeah. Okay, very good. Okay, you're probably thinking, where's where's that? Where is he after with this? Abbott's team obtained a picture of Jessica Thompson's son. Here we go. He had the same conditions. They estimated that the chance of this being a fluke was 1 in 10 million. Do you like those odds? Yeah, I love those odds. So they theorize that the Somerton man was the father of Thompson's son. And that the child, who would have been about 16 months old at the time of the Somerton man's death, was passed off as her current husband, who was called Prosper Thompson. His name is Prosper Thompson. Prosper Thompson, yeah. (laughs) He was passed off as Prosper Thompson's son. That's Prosper Thompson's son. <laughs> Unfortunately, despite exhuming the body to obtain a DNA profile from the Somerton man, they've never been able to use uh, modern DNA evidence to actually properly did, connect. Were they unable to process it or did it come back negative? Like as in, you know, it's not a match. The supposed son has passed away now as well. So, mm-hmm. so they can't get a DNA match from that. But they tried to do a DNA analysis of the Somerton man to just figure out who he was because they still okay. don't know. And it's, it's never come back. But what do you think of that? Do you Replicant. Think, so, do you think Jessica, do you think that he's actually Jessica's... Uh, I will say off the back of that, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I think, that's, I think that's, that's crazy. So you're probably thinking at this point, that's it solved, yeah? I'm thinking this woman didn't want to admit to it. She might have been going out with someone at the time. You know, maybe it wouldn't have been, and I use this phrase in a 1940s um, bubble, ladylike at the time. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I, I can understand why, why her decision would be to not, um, to not admit it. But here's the thing for you. How would he end up dead? I have no idea how he ended That's, up dead. You see, this is what happens to me with this mystery. So I get to this point and I wait, go... Oh, wait, wait. Can we go back? Can we rewind a tiny bit? Yeah. Did it say he was poisoned? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I do he's remember it. That's why I asked. Yeah, him. he's poisoned, man. I didn't just shoot in the dark. Maybe he, maybe he, he did it himself. Could have poisoned him. So here's Bro- here, died of a broken heart. Here's my thoughts on it. He went to try and meet with her. The neighbors saw saw somebody trying to meet with her. She wouldn't meet with him, or else she said, "I won't be with you" or something like that. He goes off, tears the. Tears the thing out of the heartbroken, like you said, because it, it's over and it reminds him of her, puts it in his fob pocket and has his favorite last meal, pasty, and then kills himself with the poison. Kills and himself how with the beach. did he administer the poison? How did he administer it? Yeah. Put it on an old tab of juicy fruit and ate it. Oh, that's not too bad now. Yeah, it's a pretty okay, good theory. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I like that. What age was the son? So what age, what, when was the son born? Does it match up to the timeline of, like, was he born during the war? So, like, you know, maybe 
five so, years earlier. So he's 16 months old at the time of the guy dying. So 16 months okay, prior. That's to, not uh, unless they were still stationed in Australia. I suppose a couple of them would have been right. It would. You were talking probably like about 46, 47. Mm. I, I think it's 46. I think so. Yeah, he could be there tail end. You know, probably a year. Like it's not like the war ended the next day. Everyone went home. Did he have a tan? Actually, what the, was he tanned like from the weather? They didn't mention that. It, uh, Do you know? Mention that. To kind of date him like a tree. I, I don't. Did they cut him open and count the rings inside his head? I don't know if they did. I th- can't tell you that for sure. But here's the other th- thing. So you think, there you go, the romantic. He's killed himself. Yeah, it's over. Other one. You heard that thing about the guy saying he thought he saw somebody carrying him. Here's my theory on it. My spin on it is he comes. Prosper Thompson is like, fuck you. Maybe he doesn't say fuck you first. Maybe he brings him in and gives him a pasty. Don't know how the pasty adds up to this. Prosper Thompson comes in, poisons him, carries him to the beach, leaves him there. He doesn't know that he has the... The clue in his pocket. Yeah. What do you think of that one? I like that, yeah. Also, potentially, just add into that, something to do with spies as well going on. Yeah, spies is still the strongest. Maybe he's a spy and he's telling you one I'm going to sum it up, right? And then we're going to do a hard cut, right? So okay. brace yourself, strap in. She met a spy during the war, right? He revealed to her that he was a spy. And mm-hmm. they had, that, that just, that just, that made them horny. It made them real horny, right? Because anytime someone tells you a secret, I don't know about you, but it makes me horny, right? And they started going at it like mad, right? Like they were, they were lucky they didn't have 50 kids during the war. And then he was stay. He he came back then after the war for a little bit just to tidy up his stuff back home. He came in. They they had so much sex that he he walked onto the beach to get some air and he collapsed and died because he was he it was just too much for him. Okay. Or the other theories. Or the other ones. Yeah. I I think we we've we've done it we've done it justice. I think it's amazing that after all this time the man's still unknown. The only way I think after that many years he could still remain unknown. Is you know it? what might be a good um, Patreon call, actually, is if we dig up the sun and get a DNA sample from him. Uh, I'm not I'm not really on board for that. I'll do it. I'm not on board for that. Get a couple of listeners in. If you'd like to see me and Roger doing some stand-up comedy, we've got a great gig coming up in Collins Bar in Cork on June 10th. It's going to be on in the Comedy Cavern in Collins Bar on Douglas Street, emceed by Chris Kent. Roger's going to open the night and I'm going to headline it. It's on in one of the best comedy rooms in Ireland and I think it's free. As always, if you can give us an old five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called these days. And the other thing too is share it, put it up on your social media. We've had so many people getting in contact with us listening the show and we're just enjoying making it so much so anything you can do to help us at all and thanks so much